Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. jump in today to a brand new sermon series and I'm excited about this one we're calling it asking for a friend and so on Easter we took a a survey and you guys were amazing all of you participated in this survey beautifully and so we took a survey and we asked everyone in the room to fill out a card and write down at least one topic that you would like to hear us teach about at the movement church And you guys took it to heart. Some of you wrote down more than one thing. And that was awesome. So we had like 400 responses that came in that we were weeding through all of those different responses. And there were some great topics that you guys asked for. And some of those topics we're going to be hitting throughout the rest of the year in some different sermon series that we have planned. But we took all of those questions that you sent in and we tried to combine them into categories. And so I'm encouraging you. I know it's summer. I know the kids are getting out of school. I know you're going to go on vacation, but any time that you can be here, you're not going to want to miss because we have some fun things planned. We're going to be doing a panel and talking about marriage and dating and parenting and all sorts of big topics and and asking some some hard questions. So you're not going to want to miss that. I'm just encouraging you to stay tuned. But today I have the opportunity to teach a little bit about a topic that might feel challenging. And here's the thing. Life is challenging. So it makes sense that a lot of the questions that you would ask might feel challenging, right? And so we titled this series, Asking for a Friend, because sometimes it's easier to ask for a friend than to ask for ourselves, right? And so all of you can just breathe a sigh of relief. This message is for your neighbor, not for you. So don't worry about it, okay? (laughs) But we had all sorts of questions come in, and, and out of a lot of those, there were some topics like, How do I respond when I have been hurt by someone that I love? How do I respond when I know that I'm supposed to forgive, but I just don't really know how? How do I handle the offense that has built up in my heart from what people have said to me or said about me? Does God really forgive me? And these are some heavy topics. But today I want to just chat a little bit with you about how do we handle offense and forgiveness and what does the Bible actually say about that. So before we do, I'm just going to invite you to pray with me for a moment so we can prepare our hearts for what God wants to say to us. So can you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just come before you right now and I thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, I thank you that you you know our stories You know what every single person in this room walked in, walking through today. And God, you know the hurt and you know the pain and you know the frustrations and the things that we face that nobody else might know about. And so today, God, I pray that you would just open our hearts to hear what you have to say and that you would bring healing and forgiveness and hope in places that have felt really dark. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So I'm going to start in the book of Mark, chapter 11. And if you're taking notes, you can follow along in our YouVersion app. You can text the word notes, and it'll give you a link to follow along in the notes today. But if you have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark, chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. And this is in the Amplified Version. So I like to call this the girl version of the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean, men, that you can't read the Amplified Version. I just like to call it that because there's lots of words. And sometimes lots of words is a good thing. Sometimes lots of words help us explain and understand even more. And so I love this scripture in the Amplified Version. Mark chapter 11, verse 23, and it says this, truly I tell you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt at all in his heart, but believes what he says will take place. It will be done for him. For this reason, I'm telling you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, listen, trust, and be confident that it is granted to you and you will get it. What an incredible promise in the Bible, right? This promise that if I believe, if I find my trust and confidence in who God is, anything that I ask for in prayer, that God hears my prayers. This is a scripture I have underlined in every version of my Bible. I love this scripture because this is a promise you can hold on to, right? And then, What follows this scripture in verse 25, I don't have underlined in all my Bibles. It's a little bit more challenging to receive, and it says this, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him and let it drop. Leave it. Let it go in order that your Father who is in heaven may also forgive you your own failings and shortcomings and let them drop. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your failings and shortcomings. Ouch, (laughs) right? That one is a little bit harder to receive. It presents a lot of questions, doesn't it? But I'm pretty sure that what's happening here is that we're beginning to get an understanding that forgiveness is very important to Jesus. And you know, as we go through life together, the thing is, we're going to bump into each other every now and then. And I don't just mean literally, I'm talking figuratively too. We're going to bump each other from time to time. And every single one of us is going to have the opportunity to be offended and to offend somebody else, right? Anybody guilty out here? Just me, a few of you in the church today. All right. All of us are going to have the opportunity to offend someone, and all of us are going to have the opportunity to be offended. See, my strengths can offend you. My weaknesses could offend you. My personality could offend you. My failures, my issues could offend you. And I just want to challenge you that the opportunity to be offended, it's going to come from somebody close. It's going to come from people that you're doing life with that you're doing community with. Strangers, we don't really care, do we? (laughs) It doesn't really matter so much what somebody that we don't know or care about thinks or says or does. But somebody who we're close to, that's when it gets challenging. You know, if you, any of you have friends that are close talkers or close walkers, like if you're walking through the park or the beach or the mall, and when you're walking, they just tend to walk closer and closer and closer to you. Does anybody have any friends like that? I think I am that friend. I'm pretty sure I'm guilty because I'm always caught up in conversation, and so I think I'm that friend. But they just tend to walk closer and closer and closer, and inadvertently, 
could tend to step on your toes or run you into a wall by accident, right? I, I think I might be that person, so I apologize to those of you who have done that too in the courtyard. But I just, I think that sometimes we have the ability with people we're close to to bump into them a little bit, figuratively and literally. If you've ever stood on the front row with me during worship, then you understand exactly what I'm talking about. And I'll just take this opportunity for a moment to talk about worship. When we come to church, we have an incredible band, great musicians, but we don't come just to listen to good music or just to, you know, and smile and enjoy the, the talent that's on the stage. We actually sing songs to fix our attention on who God is and on how faithful he is, on the fact that we can stand on his promises and we sing these songs to remind ourselves because sometimes we need some reminding. And so when I worship, I worship with my whole heart. Now you can worship however you want to worship. I'm just saying me, I get really into it because I get excited about what God has done for me. So if you ever stand on the front row nearby me, you will know to take a step back and I will know to take a step forward. If you've ever noticed, I step like five feet forward in this front row because I tend to be a violent worshiper. And sometimes Pastor Carrie, and I know you know, you've all been like, why is she singing like that? I know. And Pastor Carrie, he'll sometimes like grab my arm and go, you need to tone down your violent worship. And I'm like, don't tell me how to worship God. Like I'm having this moment with Jesus. And he's like, you are going to hit me and it's going to hurt. <laughs> but I don't mean to, right? And I think sometimes we do life with people and they accidentally bump us and it's an inadvertent thing and they don't mean to, but we could tend to get hurt the easiest. It's easier to get bumped by somebody you're standing next to than somebody that's all the way across the room, right? Sometimes they're, sometimes they're by accident, they're inadvertent, and sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes people lose sight of the goal. The Australians say they've gone and lost the plot, and I love it. I'm like, yes, they have. They've lost the plot. They've lost the whole goal and the whole picture that's happening here, and sometimes people that are close to us will step on you or elbow you or, or punch you on purpose, and that's when it hurts the most. Psalm 55, verse 12 through 14, it says it like this. It's not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It's not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, my close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together in the house of God. You see, it's a lot easier to love people from a distance. Because when we get up close, we start to see people's faults and weaknesses. When we get up close, we have opportunity to get offended. In fact, you and me, every single one of us is gonna have dozens of opportunities this week to be offended. And I would guess, if I was just to guess, that it's quite possible that you had an opportunity this morning to be offended. Maybe with a spouse or a child, or maybe you walked into church and somebody didn't see you or remember your name. Every single one of us is going to face opportunities to be offended by our spouse, by our employers, by our employees, by our friends, by our, our people that we do life with. And Jesus actually addressed this. In Luke chapter 17, he's talking to his disciples and he says in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, it is impossible that no offenses should come. It is impossible that no offenses should come. So Jesus, he is the one that is telling us it's impossible to live this life and not have the opportunity to be offended. 
So at least that is telling us we're, okay, this makes sense. Jesus knew this was going to happen, right? So Jesus says, it's impossible. And that word that he uses there when he talks about offense, the Greek word that it was translated to offense, the Greek word it came from is a word called scandalon. It's where we get the word scandal. It means an offense, a stumbling block, an, an occasion to fall. And you see, when, when we choose to be offended, it creates an opportunity, a stumbling block. The door is open for us to fall. And the word scandalon, it actually originally described this small piece of wood that was used to keep the trap door of an animal trap propped open. Did any of you ever build animal traps as children, like trying to catch anything? Okay, like three of you, awesome. The rest of you apparently grew up in Orange County, didn't catch any animals. <laughs> all right, all right. But if you ever did that, back in the, New, in the New Testament days, that word was used to describe the stick that would hold open the door to a trap for an animal. And inside the trap, they would place the bait. And it would be something that was enticing to that animal. And when the animal would approach the trap to go inside and get the bait, the scandalon, the stick, would snap closed, and then the animal would be trapped. So this is interesting that Jesus uses this word, the scandalon, to describe an offense, isn't it? In this New Testament, the word also referred to a, a stone or a stumbling block, something that causes someone to stumble, to, to lose his footing, to waver, to fall down. You know, offense can cause us to stumble. It can cause us to lose our footing. It can cause us to fall down. You know, it's interesting for the three of you who've actually tried to trap an animal before. Let me just tell you, if you're going to catch an animal in an animal trap, there's a couple things you need to know to be effective. One thing is that you need a trap that you can disguise, that's going to be hidden. So you need to place it in a place where it is not seen, where it's hidden, where an animal's going to just stumble upon it. And the second thing you need to know is that it needs to be baited. So if you're going to catch an animal, the trap needs to be hidden and it needs to be baited. Now, I learned how to use this this morning. Worked in first service, there's a chance it could go wrong in second. I'm just telling you right now. So when I stick my hand inside, everybody take a deep breath. Okay, I'm just teasing. I don't think it's going to snap on me. So this, this trap is specifically used to catch a squirrel. And this trap, you would place some bait, some food. Are you nervous right now? Anybody? You'd place some food right inside here on this metal piece, and you'd place it there as the bait for the squirrel to come. And you'd use some, some really good squirrel food. And so you'd put it inside there and then hope that the squirrel would stumble upon this trap. And when the squirrel stumbles upon this trap, what is going to happen is it's going to crawl inside to get the bait and get the food. And when it gets to this metal plate to get the food, it's going to be trapped. And that's how an animal trap works. You're welcome, Orange County. <laughs> now you know. All right. So listen, there's something about a trap. There's something about the bait that is used for a trap. You know, I'm not a fisherman, but I have been told that when you're fishing, you want to use a bait that is appealing to the fish, right? And the enemy actually knows how to use a bait that's attractive to you. He knows you. He knows your weakness, and he's going to use a bait that is attractive to you. See, the enemy knows exactly what buttons to push, knows exactly what's going to get under your skin, where you're going to choose to be offended, 
where you're going to choose to hold on to something and be frustrated. And that word offense is really talking about a trap. You know, I want to share a story with you. I, I almost didn't share it this morning, but I thought, you know what? We've got to be real with one another in church. So I'm going to share a, a personal experience with you. You know, I have a good friend, and um, she's a pastor at another church in the area. And uh, we've been friends for quite some time since I've lived here and known her for quite a while. And, and she was out at a store, this was, you know, several years ago. She was out at a store shopping, and she heard um, a woman who was very worked up and very frustrated. Have you ever been around people that are talking so loudly that you can't help but hear what they're saying? Anybody? And you're like, oh my goodness. And then you're just fascinated by the story. And and so my friend found herself in this situation. But as she heard this woman talking, this woman kept sharing about how frustrated she was with her church and how irritated she was at her pastor's. And then she began to talk about her pastor's wife. And she said, she is so judgmental. I know that every single time she is looking at me, she is judging me. And she posts on Instagram all the time. I mean, does she even pray? Y'all are silent. (laughs) And my friend goes, being the great leader that she is, she leans in and she goes, excuse me, like, where, where do you go to church? And this woman promptly replied, the movement church. And she goes, oh, well, I know Megan, and I know that she prays, and I really doubt that she's judging you. And so she, she began to proceed to talk to this lady, and my pastor friend called me later and, and shared the conversation with me. And she shared with me so that we could go and have a conversation and remove any issues that might be brewing under the surface. And I would love to tell you, I would love to stand on this platform and tell you how holy I was in my response. And I would love to stand on this platform and tell you how full of grace and what an incredible Christ follower I was in that moment. And I would love to tell you how I chose just to extend grace and not take up an offense. And I'd, I'd love to tell you what a beautiful example I am for you to follow. And I can't tell you any of that. <laughs> because at that moment, the enemy knew exactly how to press my buttons. There are only a few things that will ever get me riled up One of them is probably talking badly about my kids, and the other one is questioning my character. And I was, I was, I was fired up. I was so angry in that moment. I really was. And I was like, are you kidding me? I was so upset. And I did a lot of complaining to my husband who continued to act like Jesus and tell me that I should too, and that was great. And and then and then I began to I began to get so frustrated about this that I started talking about it to some other people. Because who knows that when you have an offense that begins to build up, you start to share it with other people around you so that you can feel justified in your offense. Anybody? And so God really had to deal with me on that. Because if I'm going to stand on the platform and talk about what the Word of God says, I have to be willing to apply that to my life as well. And God had to work with me on that. And the good news for you and me is that the enemy does know what to do to push our buttons. He knows exactly what kind of bait is going to get you riled up. He knows. But the thing is, you don't have to take the bait. You don't have to take the bait. You know, in South America and Africa and Asia, there's a certain type of monkey that is really easy to trap. And I started doing some reading about this monkey and how the natives would go about trapping this monkey. And it's very interesting. See, the natives in these areas 
areas would, they'd take a gourd or something large like that and they would drill a small hole in the top of the gourd. And then they would fill the gourd with pebbles or rocks or something that would make it heavy to where it would be hard to move. And inside that hole, they would place some seeds or some fruit or something that would be enticing to the monkey. And eventually, a curious monkey would come around and find this gourd and smell the bait. And so the monkey then would proceed up to this trap and reach its hand inside the gourd and grab a hold of the bait, whatever it was. And when the monkey went to pull its hand out of the gourd, it was trapped, completely trapped. And this is how the natives would capture this monkey. But the interesting thing is, it was a stupid monkey because all the monkey had to do was let go of the bait. And then its hand would slip freely out of the gourd and it would be able to run away in freedom. And I think you and me, we're kind of like this monkey sometimes. We take the bait that the enemy sets out for us. We grab a hold of that offense because we think it's ours to hold on to. And we're not going to let go of it because it doesn't deserve to be let go of. And we hold on to that bait, but what we don't realize is we are now trapped. And all that is necessary to walk in freedom is simply letting go. So I want to challenge you. How do you know if you're offended? You know, some of you might think, well, I'm not, I'm not really offended. I, I just need a break, or I, I just, I'm just a little angry for a minute. I've just been a little bit hurt, but I'm not really offended. So I'm going to just give you some signs that could help you recognize if you've taken the bait, if you might be dealing with offense. Number one, if you're holding on to hurt, to anger, to jealousy, if you're rehearsing over and over what was done wrong to you, or the thing that was said that was not right, if you're rehearsing it over and over again, it's possible you've taken the bait. You might be offended. Number two, if you have fractured and broken relationships all throughout the track record of your life, if offense has saturated every relationship, you've taken the bait. Number three, if we always feel like we need to tell our side of the story. If I always feel like I need to tell my side of the story, I might be offended. I've taken the bait. You know, if we put walls around our heart to constantly guard our heart, just waiting for someone to do that thing again, to say that thing again, we're just, we're ready for it. There's some walls around our heart. We're ready to fight. We've taken the bait. We might be offended. If our energy is spent making sure that no future injuries occur, everything I do is trying to make sure that I'm not going to find myself in a position like that ever again. I'm going to protect myself. You might be offended. You've taken the bait. If you're consumed with someone else's life and their problems and you're always looking them up on Facebook or Instagram just to see what's happening in their life and what they're doing now, you might be offended. You've taken the bait. You see, every one of us has an opportunity to be offended. Every one of us has the opportunity to take the bait. But now we've got to decide what are we going to do. And I want to challenge you in the famous words of Elsa, let it go, let it go. You like that? 
Okay, I know you don't know how to trap animals, but hopefully you've seen Frozen, right? Okay, listen, just like that monkey that found itself enticed by a bait, stuck his hand in and grabbed the bait. Listen, every single one of us has the opportunity to pick up an offense, but I'm telling you, it's a trap. And if you want to walk in freedom, we simply have to choose to let it go, to let it go. You know, I think sometimes we sit around waiting for an apology before we let go of the bait. We sit around waiting for someone to apologize and own their bad, but listen, the apology might never come. It might never come, but you'll find yourself trapped, trapped in this this trap of bitterness and unforgiveness and offense. You know, Ephesians tells us in chapter 4, verse 31, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. This is telling us some things that we've got to deal with if we want to live the kind of life that God's called us to live. And then Hebrews 12, 15 goes on and it says this, see to it that no one, what does that say? No one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. You see, I'll tell you something about bitterness. Bitterness makes you ugly. It really does. Not just on the inside either. You see it on the inside and you start to see it on the outside when people have carried it around long enough. And the thing is, is that Jesus gave us this commandment that's hard to apply. But he gave us this commandment to bring us freedom and it's a commandment to forgive. Matthew 6 verse 14 says, For if you forgive people their trespasses, their reckless and willful sins, leaving them, letting them go, and giving up resentment. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now listen, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today. And if you're here today and you're just exploring faith, listen, permission to belong before you believe. But if you're here today and you call yourself a Christ follower, I've got to challenge you. This is what the word of God says. Jesus has a lot to say about forgiveness. And the one thing we know is that it's imperative. It is not an option as a Christ follower. You see, there's a theologian, his name is David Gusick, and I think they're going to have this quote for the screen. He said this, Once our eyes have been opened to see the enormity of our offense against God, the injuries which others have done to us appear by comparison extremely trifling. If, on the other hand, We have an exaggerated view of the offenses of others. It proves we have minimized our own. Ouch. See, Jesus, when he stepped on the scene, he challenged the status quo. He challenged the way that things were. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus said to his disciples, Listen, you've heard it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But... And here he goes, turning it upside down. I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's just not easy. That is not easy for any of us. We can hear it, we can read it, but it is hard to apply. I love it in the message version. It says this, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend, and its unwritten companion hates your enemy. Well, I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. 
When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer, for then you are working out your true selves, your God-created selves. And this is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm, the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless of the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. I like this. It says, if all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? <laughs> oh, that's great. Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? No. Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way that God lives towards you. This is hard work. And you know something else? It's not fair. It's not fair. You know, I've heard forgiveness described as surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. And forgiveness is giving up the hope of a better or a different yesterday. And that's hard to surrender. You know, one of the years that God was really dealing with me on forgiveness, I felt like the picture that God gave me was that forgiveness is allowing God to handle the bad and me working to find the good. It's that holding on to the bait and choosing to let go and go, God, I trust you with the bad and freeing me to find the good. So let me challenge you for just the last few moments we have together. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been let down. Maybe you've been treated unfairly, unjustly, poorly. Maybe things have been said about you that weren't fair. Maybe you've walked through some real pain. So now what? Luke chapter 17, Jesus talks to his disciples about this very thing. And we saw it in verse 1 where he told us everyone will always have an opportunity to be offended. But then he comes in in verse 3 and he says this, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. And then the disciples, they look at Jesus, and obviously this was a little bit perplexing for them. And they say to him, increase our faith. They're like, how do we do this? And Jesus says, if you have faith like a grain of the mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And what's Jesus saying here? You know, in the King James Version of the Bible, that was the original translation, it didn't use the word mulberry tree. Do you know what it used? It used a description of a tree called the sycamine tree. Not sycamore, sycamine. And he talked about this tree. Listen, Jesus doesn't do anything flippantly. Everything he does has intention. Everything he does has purpose. And so when his disciples were sitting there going, how do I forgive? How do I actually walk through this? He goes and says to them, listen, you just need a tiny bit of faith. As small as a mustard seed. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to that sycamine tree, be uprooted and thrown into the sea, and it would happen. But do you know why Jesus used the idea of the sycamine tree? Because this was a kind of tree that everyone knew about. It had this crazy root structure. 
It was literally next to impossible to kill. And Jesus knew that the roots of bitterness and unforgiveness and offense, they go deep down into the human soul. And when left undealt with, that offense that lies hidden in the soil of our heart digs in deep. And Jesus is saying, listen, offense, bitterness, unforgiveness, it's kind of like that sycamine tree. It's next to impossible to kill. It's next to impossible to uproot. Yes, I know this is going to be hard. But if you have just a little bit of faith, you can do something about it. Because Jesus knew that the soil of our heart was important. Proverbs 4.23 tells us to guard our heart above anything else because from it comes the wellspring of life. Listen, the whole course of our life is set through our heart. And Jesus understood this. And he understood that the roots were going to be challenging to deal with, but he used this word picture to help his disciples understand that it is possible with faith. Faith as small as a mustard seed, we can deal with the ugly, deep, hard-to-kill roots of unforgiveness, of bitterness, of offense, of hurt, of pain. And you know what else is interesting about this tree? This tree actually produced a fruit. And this fruit, it looked appealing. It looked enticing. It's kind of like the bait. It looked appealing, and in fact, the poor would eat this fruit because it was readily available to them. And it looked enticing, but when you took this fruit off the tree and took a bite of it, it was bitter and sour. And isn't it interesting that Jesus used this tree when he was talking to the disciples about dealing with bitterness, dealing with unforgiveness, uprooting that thing from the soil of our heart? This tree has this fruit that's represented on it, this fruit that is bitter to eat. And you know, the poor in that day would often go and eat this fruit because they didn't have anything else. And so they would go and they would grab a piece of fruit from the tree because it had this appealing, alluring factor to it. And they would go and they would grab this fruit from the tree and they would just nibble on it because you couldn't eat very much of it. It's kind of like sour candy. When you put it in your mouth, it's like, right? Anybody, ever, anybody like sour candy? I, I, I sometimes do, and sometimes I put way too much in my mouth. It's like, oh. This fruit was bitter to the taste. And the people that would eat it would often just nibble on it, then leave it, and walk away, and then come back to that memory, to that table, to nibble on it some more. And how often do we do this when we're offended, and when we're hurt? When something that's happened to us that wasn't fair and it was unjust and it's hard to manage or to deal with, how often do we return to the memory table just to kind of nibble on that thing some more, to remember that thing that happened, to rehearse the pain that we've walked through? See, Dr. Caroline Leaf is a neuroscientist and she, she actually says this statement that I thought was so powerful for you and me. She said, you cannot control the events or circumstances of your life, but you can control your reactions. And controlling these reactions is the difference between healthy minds and bodies and sick minds and bodies. Isn't that interesting? You know, the American Medical Association statistics confirm that 75 to 98% of mental and physical illnesses come from our thought life. Wow. So Jesus knew there was something here. 
He had to help his disciples understand that they can't hold on to the bitterness, the offense, the unforgiveness, because it's going to affect them. It's going to affect more than just their hearts. It's going to begin to affect their bodies and their minds. So I want to challenge us, church. We've got to stop going back to the tree. We've got to stop rehearsing the hurt. We've got to stop rehearsing the pain. We've got to stop nibbling on that seed of unforgiveness and pain and frustration and loss. You know, the sycamine tree, the third interesting fact, and, and I'm almost done, is that the wood of a sycamine tree was most commonly used for making caskets. Right, that's what I said. The irony here, Jesus, right? It was most commonly used for making caskets. And the wood of this tree, this tree grew quickly and in nearly every environment, which made it accessible in all different places. And it grew best in dry conditions. You see, bitterness and unforgiveness grow in human hearts everywhere. And bitterness and offense and unforgiveness will rob you of the life that God created you to live. It's consuming. It will change you from the inside out. It will force you to live a life that is no life at all. I just find it so interesting that this tree was used to make caskets. Somewhere where you place the dead. So why did Jesus use this example when he, the disciples said, increase our faith? Because Jesus knew that the only way, the only way to deal with unforgiveness, the only way to deal with bitterness, the only way to deal with offense is at its root. And Jesus is saying right here, this is going to require faith. This is going to require faith. And I think Jesus told us that we need faith because it takes a lot of faith to trust that God is our defender, that it's not our battle to fight, that we don't have to prove that we were treated wrongly, that we don't have something that we have to stand up on and fight for because God is our defender. Proverbs 20, 22 says, do not say I will repay evil for evil. Wait for the Lord and he will deliver you. You see, God is our defender. And one day we will stand before him and we'll give an account of this life that we've lived. And I just, I just think that so many of us have the hardest time grasping that God's got this. So no matter what you've walked through, no matter what has been said to you, no matter what kind of hurt or pain has been stirred up, even as I speak this message, the things that are coming to your mind that have been left undealt with, God is your defender. He's got this. He's got you. But it takes some faith to begin to believe that. It takes some faith to grasp a hold of that. And as we talk about forgiveness, I just want to clarify for some of you in the room that forgiveness does not mean staying in an unhealthy or an abusive situation. And I want you to hear me. Because if you are in an unhealthy or an abusive situation, you do not belong there and you do not have to stay. You need to limit that person's access to your life. Forgiveness is not accepting poor behavior. Forgiveness is not accepting the thing that happened to you as though it was okay. It is not accepting poor behavior. Forgiveness is this choice that we make. You know, I know that there's many people in this room who've been hurt, and you've been hurt by betrayal. You've been hurt deeply by words that have been said to you or about you. Some of you have held on to some things from a parent or a spouse or a friend 
maybe even a pastor or a leader. Someone you're supposed to be able to trust. So how do we begin to forgive? I think there's three things, and I'm going to give them to you real fast. You ready? Number one, you got to daily decide. You've got to daily decide. Listen, forgiveness sometimes is a daily choice. It's a process. It's not a quick fix. It's not just one prayer that you pray and then it's gone. I wish it was that easy and maybe sometimes on a rare occasion it is. But for the most part, forgiveness is a daily choice. And we forgive because it's the right thing, not because it's the deserved thing. You're never going to forgive if you wait until you feel like it or if you wait for an apology. And the best way to know if you've actually been working on forgiveness is if you can act towards that person as though they have already been forgiven. It's challenging. It's a daily choice. But as you make the daily choice, eventually it might become a weekly choice. And then eventually it might become a monthly choice. And then eventually it maybe just surfaces once a year and you're choosing forgiveness. I'm telling you, it's a daily dependence. And that's the second point. Depend. You cannot forgive without the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no way you can do this on your own. You may think you can, but you can't. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I am the Lord your God who upholds you with your right hand, who says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Listen, God will help you. We've got to depend on him because we don't have the strength or the grace ourselves. We've got to depend on him, so we've got to daily decide. We've got to depend, and number three, we've got to obey, to pray for our enemies. The Bible says, we read it in Matthew chapter five, ouch, we've got to pray for our enemies, for the people who abuse you and misuse you, for the people who have intentionally said things to cause pain and to cause hurt, for the people that accidentally have bumped into you and hurt your feelings. We've got to choose to forgive and we've got to pray for their happiness and their welfare. Matthew five tells us that, ha! But here's the thing, as we begin to pray for people, God, can do what only God can do. And he begins to bring revelation that can bring people out of deception. You see, they may not be aware that they hurt you, or they might be. They might be very aware. Maybe they're so self-centered that they don't even care. But the Bible says, bless and do not curse them. And in the Greek, bless means to speak well of, and curse means to speak evil of. You see, you cannot walk in forgiveness and be a gossip. You've got to stop repeating this offense. You cannot do it. You can't get over it if you're going to keep talking about it. It's okay to be angry. Listen, Ephesians 4.26 says, Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You've got to daily decide to depend on Jesus and to obey what he says. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in times of trouble. And I just want to tell you, church, Jesus is highly capable of carrying the pain, the offense, the hurt, the frustration, the things that were unfairly and unjustly done to you, the things that were said that you've been holding on to. Jesus is highly capable of carrying that for you. But are you willing to let go? Are you willing to walk in freedom? because it's a choice that we make. It's not a feeling we feel, it is a choice that we make. And I wanna challenge you to make that choice today. And maybe the person you need to forgive 
is simply yourself. Maybe you've just been so burdened by shame that you've been unwilling to forgive yourself for something that you've done. And I'm just telling you, Jesus is highly capable of carrying that as well. Can I ask you to do me a favor? Can you stand to your feet for just one last moment? I'm going to ask everyone in this room just to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to take a moment with God. Everyone in this room, nobody looking around, this is a personal moment. This is between you and God. And I just want to challenge you to search deep inside your heart and to go, God, where have I been holding on to offense? Where have I been easily offended? Maybe it's with friends. Maybe it's with a spouse. Maybe it's at your, your workplace. Where have you been holding on to offense? Where have you been holding on to unforgiveness? Now listen, I know there may be some of you in this room who have some real pain, but I know a God who wants to bring complete healing to your heart and to take and to carry that thing that you've tried to hold on to so that you can walk in freedom. And I just want to invite you right now to take a minute between you and God. And we're going to sing for just 60 more seconds. We're going to sing a song that we sang at the end of worship. Rehearsing our trust in God, reminding ourselves of his faithfulness, that he is with us, that he is for us, that he is fighting on our behalf, that he is our defender. And as we sing that song and we sing the song, I believe that you can move the mountains. I just want you to begin to sing that and declare that with the kind of faith that believes that just as Jesus said, if I will stir up my faith and ask anything in his name, I can speak to that mountain and it will be thrown into the sea. And today, some of you need to deal with some deep-rooted places of bitterness and unforgiveness, but the kind of faith it requires is as small as a mustard seed. So all you have to do is begin to open your heart and go, God, I've got a tiny bit of faith today. And I'm trusting that as I speak to that place of hurt, as I speak to that place of pain, that you are going to do the work that is necessary in my heart to uproot that thing and see it thrown into the sea because God, you are my healer and you are faithful. So let's go ahead and sing for just a moment and declare the promises of God. You know, I think there's probably some people in the room today that have been wrestling with faith and maybe just carrying a burden of shame. And before we leave today, we don't ever end a service without giving you the opportunity to make a decision to allow Jesus to step into the driver's seat of your life. And I don't know what your faith journey has been, and I don't know what you've been wrestling with, but I believe there's a God in heaven who loves you so much that he saw fit to get you here in this place today to remind you that he hasn't failed you, that he's still for you, to remind you that his grace is sufficient for you. And the thing about walking with Jesus is it's this free gift that is presented for us, but it's a decision we have to make. And maybe you're here today and you, you prayed a prayer a long time ago, but you've just been running from God. And to be quite honest, maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe you've been offended by something that happened in a church. 
and you found yourself running from God, and today is a day to come running back to Him because He's exactly what you need. And maybe you're here and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, and I would just challenge you. This is the next step. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer with me right now. And I'm going to ask everyone in this room to just bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. And if that's you, I'm going to invite you. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat, and I'm actually not going to even ask you to pray out loud. I'm just going to ask you right now, in a moment between you and God, as I pray a prayer, if you need to today make a decision to let Jesus take the driver's seat of your life, I want you to pray with me in your own heart, in your own mind, and let these words be your own. Say, dear God, I know that I've sinned. I know, I know that I've made so many mistakes, but today I make a decision to follow you. I thank you for forgiving me. And all around this room, if that's you, and this is the prayer that you're praying, if that's you, just let these simple words be your words. Say, Jesus, I give you my life in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing in this room. God, I thank you that you are our healer. God, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. God, I thank you that you carry our pain and you carry our hurt so that we don't have to. So God, I pray in this room today that you would just fill this place with your grace and your compassion and your love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.